Hello and welcome back to the Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Colton McAteer. Uh, today we are going to be reading from D.L. Moody. So let's get right to it. This is a sermon by D.L. Moody. The Lord's Work, preached by D.L. Moody. What, what men want in doing the Lord's work is first courage, two enthusiasm, three perseverance, and four sympathy. First courage. The man who is afraid, who holds down his head like a bulrush, is not the worker whom God will bless. But God gives courage to him who means to use, who he, whom he means to use. I have been all along with young men, and a great portion of my work these 15 years has been among them and I find that they generally fail for want of courage. There is, an, there is any quantity of young men in Edinburgh just now whose lives are a blank to them and to who have not discovered that God sends us to do work for him. He can qualify them for that work. John Wesley said, Give me thirty men of faith, and I shall storm the citadel of Satan and win it for Christ. And he did it too. Talk of Alexander being a great conqueror, he was nothing compared with that little man, Saul of Tarsus. Once I had been fishing long and caught nothing, and I almost got discouraged. My Sabbath service was, services were barren one day, and I was greatly disheartened. My heart was down and my head was down. In came a brother. How does the work go on with you? Ask a fellow worker. Splendidly, he said. Great blessing on Sabbath. I told him my state of mind. He said, Did you ever study the life and character of Noah? Yes, I knew it by heart. Well, said he, study it again. And I did so, and found in him wonderful courage. For 120 years that the ark was being built, he labored to get men to believe in God's righteousness. He did not get one, and I said, What have I to be discouraged about after that? So I went down to the prayer meeting, and a man behind me clapped, uh, clasped me by the hand and said, Pray for me. For I am in great trouble, and I thought, what would Noah have given for encouragement like that? And a man rose up and told that a hundred young men had come to Christ in a neighboring town. What would old Noah have said to that? One hundred and twenty years, and no fruit at all? And yet he had courage to go on preaching. All at once the clouds were all gone from my mind. If you get discouraged, keep it to yourself. Don't tell anyone about it. For you will just discourage others if you do. Be strong and very courageous if you would do anything for God. Enthusiasm. We need more enthusiasm. The more we have, the better. I have a great admiration for Garabilidi, who unified Italy in the 1870s. Though I cannot, of course, approve of all his acts. When put in prison, he said, If we're better that 50... Garibaldi's should perish, then that Rome should not be free. This was the cause of getting above the man, that it was what we want. We want to forget ourselves. There are 100,000 men waiting now to be brought to Christ, to be invited to come to him, and shall we hang back? Let us have enthusiasm. This formalism that abounds at the present day is the worst ism of all. It is worse than all the infidelity and skepticism of the land. 
I remember reading in some history of the ninth century of a young general who with only 500 men came up against a king with 20,000. And the king sent to him say to say that it was the height of folly to resist with his handful of men. The general called in one of his men and said, Take that sword and drive it to your heart. The man took the weapon and drove it to his heart and fell dead. He said to another, Leap into yonder chasm. And the man instantly obeyed. Then turning to the messenger, he said, Go back and tell your king what we have, five hundred such men. We will die, but we will never surrender. The messenger returned, and his tale struck terror in the hearts of the king's soldiers, so that they fled like chaff before the wind. God says, One shall chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight. Let us have confidence in God. When men are earnest, they they carry everything before them. The world don't read the Bible, but they read you and me. Perseverance. The men who have been successful are not those who work by fits and starts, but 365 days in the year. By the grace of God, these 18 years I have been kept working for God. People complain how cold other people are. That is a sign that they are cold themselves. Keep your own heart warm as if there were no other but you in the world. Keep working all the time at steady, constant work. For the last 11 years, I have not let a day pass without saying something to somebody of Christ. Make it a rule that never a day pass without speaking for Christ. People won't like it. If you are a living witness for Christ, it makes people mad against you. You will suffer persecution and be spoken against. And yet there will sin for such a man first when, he, when they are in trouble or in their deathbed or on their deathbed. The man that is popular with the world is not a friend of Jesus. You cannot serve two masters. The world hates Christ, and if you are a friend of the world, you cannot be a friend of his. You may be sure that something is wrong with you when everybody is your friend. Every man here can win souls for Christ. The public house in America are called saloons. There is a hall with a bar and behind a dining room and above sleeping apartments. And in these saloons, the young men congregate at night and drink wine and drink and gamble. There was a terribly wicked man who kept a saloon, whose children I was very anxious to draw to my Sabbath school. So one day I called to this man and said, Mr. Bell, I want you to let your children come to the Sabbath school. He was terribly angry, said he did not believe in the Bible, school or anything else, and ordered me to leave his house. Soon after, I went down again and called on, his, on this man and asked him to go to church. And again, he was very angry. He said that he had not been at church for 19 years and would never go again. And he would rather see his boys a, a drunkard and his daughter a harlot than that they should attend the Sabbath school. A second time, I was forced to leave the house. Two or three days after, I called again. And he said, well, I guess you are a pretty good natured sort of man and different from the rest of Christians, or you wouldn't come back. So seeing him in a good humor, I asked him what he had to say against Christ, and if he had if he had read his life. And he asked me what I had to say against Paine's Age of Reason, and if I had read it. I said I had not read it, whereupon he said he would read the New Testament if I would read the Age of Reason, to which I at once agreed. 
though he had the best bargain, and I did so. I did not like it much and would not advise any person to read it. I asked Mr. Bell to come to church, but he said there are all hypocrites that went to church. This he would would do, however. I might come to his house if I liked and preached here in this saloon. Yes, but look here, you are not to do all the talking. He said that he and his friends would have their say as well as I. I agreed that they might have the first 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and either last 15 or of the hour, which he thought fair, and that was settled. The day came, and I went to keep my appointment, but I never in all of my life met such a crowd as when I on that as when on the day of the appointment I went to that saloon. Such a collection of infidels, deists, and reprobates of all kinds I never saw before. Their oaths and language were horrible. Some of them seemed as if they had come on leave or of absence from the pit. I never saw I I never was so near hell before. They began to talk in the most blasphemous way. Some thought one thing, some another, some believed there was a God, others not. Some thought there was such a man as Jesus Christ, others that there never was. Some didn't believe anything. They couldn't agree, contradicted each other, and very nearly came to fighting with one another before their time had expired. I had brought down a little boy, an orphan, with me. And when I saw and heard such blasphemy, I thought I had done wrong to bring him there. When their time was up, I said that was I said that we Christians always begin service with prayer to God. Hold, said they, two must be agreed first. Well, here are two of us. And so I prayed. And then the little boy did so, and I never heard a prayer like that in all my life. It seemed as if God was speaking through that little boy. With tears running down his cheeks, he besought God for Christ's sake to take pity on all these poor men, and that they and that went to their very hearts. I heard sobs throughout the hall, and one infidel went out at this door and another at that. And Mr. Bell came up to me and said, You can have my children, Mr. Moody. And the best friend that I have in Chicago today is that same Joshua Bell. And his son has come out for Christ and as a worker for him. There was a family which for 14 years I had tried to draw to Christ, but they would not come and I had almost given them up as a hopeless. We had a custom on New Year's Day in America of calling on our friends and acquaintances and wishing them the compliments of the season. Last New Year's Day, I thought I should call on the old doctor, which I did, and I offered up just a short prayer. That week, he and his wife came to Christ, and next week, his son, and a few days after, his daughter, and now the whole family are converted. This one thing I do, said Paul. He had received 39 stripes, and if he had other... 39 stripes to receive. This one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, I press towards the mark. A terrible man he was, this man on the one thing and one aim, and determined to go on doing. To every man his work, Mark thirteen thirty four. If blessing don't come this week, it will come the next. Only persevere, be of good courage. Christ will strengthen your heart. Sympathy. To touch the hearts of men is needed too. Some men have courage, perseverance, and zeal, but their hearts are as cold as an icicle. Christ might have been born in a palace had he chosen, but poor men would have said he had not come for them. But he was born in a manger, lower than their own rank of life. 
the minister who speaks to people as if he were separate as if he were separate from them that tells them what they should do this and that will not carry them with him to speak to men from a higher platform is not the way to do them good it should be what we do we poor sinners and you the milk of human kindness is a great element in bringing souls to christ we have in chicago a meeting for strangers and it is the it is most blessed every monday night 75 a hundred young men newly arrived in the city assembled to find friends a young man coming from the country to a situation or to college in town feels very lonely he walks the street and has no one of all the crowds to speak to him and he is so miserable that is the time when his heart is so softest then if anyone speaks to him or shows him an act of kindness he never forgets it the devil watches for a friendless youth like those and the ensnaring paths of vice seem refuge from loneliness such a young man walking along the street sees a big brown paper pasted on a board or an or at a railway station or somewhere else having painted on it strangers meeting tonight all strangers invited to attend so he goes and meets a kind look and words of friendship and it is better to him than anything in the world during our civil war there was a southern man who came over to wisconsin to a wisconsin regiment saying he could not fight to uphold slavery sometime after the mail from the north came in and all the men got letters from their relations and universal joy prevailed this southern man said he wished he was he were dead he was not un, he was most unhappy for there were no letters for him his mother was dead and his father and brothers would have shot him if they could for going against them this man's tent mate was very sorry for his, for his friend and when he wrote to his mother in wisconsin he just told her all about it his mother sat down and wrote to her son's friend she called him her son and spoke to him like a mother she told him when the war was over that he must come to her and that her home would be his when the letter reached the regiment the chaplain took it down to where this man was standing and told him it was for him but he said it was a mistake that nobody would write to him he had no friends it must be for someone else he was persuaded to open it and when he read it he felt such joy he went down the line saying i've got a mother when afterwards the regiment was disbanded and the men were returning to their homes there was none who showed so much anxiety as this man to get to his mother in wisconsin there are hundreds of young men who want mothers and any kindness done to them will not lose its reward Sermon delivered by Dwight L. Moody to young men in Edinburgh, Scotland, 14th December, 1873. So this episode wasn't necessarily uh, strictly about the gospel, but more about the mission and the calling of, of what people do after they receive the gospel. How do you live your life after you've uh, received Christ, after you've become a Christian? How do you live in light of this ultimate reality that's now been given you? Uh, we all have mission, we all have purpose, and we all have meaning in our lives after, after becoming Christians. Um, Christ's great commission was to go and make disciples, to go and um, preach the gospel. So whether your calling is to be a, a teacher uh, behind, you know, uh, seminary classes or something or even just in the school board 
to be a teacher or a prophet or to, to be an evangelist, whatever it is, uh, I think that this message from, from D.L. Moody is, is very helpful. I think that those characteristics are all very, very important for any worker of the Lord. And, um, you know, on that note, everyone, everyone that's in Christ is a worker of the Lord. You are a worker of the Lord. So, again, we're going to kind of go on the same note. We're not going to talk about his life because I really don't want this to be an academic study as much as it is uh, edifying. I pray that, um, that, that this message was encouraging to you. It met you where you were. And um, I just pray that, that uh, as Christians, you know, God would wake us up and that we would be more faithful to the calling that he's put on our lives to preach the gospel in whatever sphere you're in. One thing that really stuck out to me is this. Uh, he says for the last 11 years, he hasn't gone a day without, without mentioning Christ to someone. Um, you know, I, I haven't even been a believer that long, but I pray that, that, you know, in 11 years from now, I can say that same thing. Uh, I pray that we can all say that same thing. You know, we have been very much blessed with eternal life. Let us go out. Let us be ministers. Let us take uh, heed to what's being said in this message. Um, and let us, uh, let us serve the living God. So thanks for tuning in. And until next time, um, I guess I'll uh, farewell. And as always, to God be the glory. Thank you.